My name is Jared Williams, and this is the Startup Blueprint, the podcast designed for entrepreneurs, startups, and anyone who has ever wanted to turn a good idea into a great business. My guest today left university with the intention of becoming an actor, something he worked on for five years before moving to London to pursue a career in fitness. After years of hard work and thousands of hours honing his craft, he recently launched one of the most exciting new brands in the London fitness scene. When he did so, he also embarked on one of the biggest challenges of his life, juggling unfamiliar priorities, making time-sensitive critical decisions, building a client base from scratch, and being a boss for the first time. Another major challenge was how to differentiate himself and his offering from larger, more established brands. As this episode shows, this does not just come down to the size of your marketing budget. It's also about patience, confidence, and how you, as an entrepreneur, deal with competition. It's like when we opened 360 Athletic in Victoria. You know, you had Barry's Bootcamp and One Rebel that was both five minutes walk away. You know, these are multi-million pound businesses that are, that are killing it. And I was just like, oh, we're not on the same level as those. You know, we don't have the amount of money they do. We don't have this, we don't have that. But it doesn't matter. Like, our demographic is different. You know, we've created a community of people which is it's doing so well at the minute. And it's because people want to train here and they want to be part of this small community and have something a bit more in-house. They don't want to be in a class of 50 people. So, you know, that's what separates us from those. And I think you just have to sort of believe in what you do and stop worrying about what everyone else is doing. That was Ben West, co-founder of 360 Athletic, and you are listening to the Startup Blueprint. We're going to jump straight into this episode with Ben talking about when he first moved to London back in 2013. I ended up coming to London, sorry, to, to do my personal training. So I came to London one day, I scoped out a few different gyms, the ones that I liked, and the first one that came up and it actually stuck with me was Gymbox. Just, what year are we in now? We are in, what are we now? We're in nine, coming up to 19. That would have, would have been 2013. Right. Yeah. So it's about five years ago, isn't it? Six years ago. Um, and I found Gymbox and Bank and I was like, you know what, I'm going to try. At that time I had no money. I had nothing. I had nowhere to live. And I basically had enough to pay my Gymbox rent, to pay, uh, at, the, at that time I was staying on an ex-girlfriend's couch which wasn't ideal, especially because she was living with her boyfriend at the time and I'm the ex-boyfriend coming in London. But I didn't know anybody else. I didn't know anybody else. And we were always friends and things like that, so it was fine. Um, and I, I came to London to do my personal training and it was literally, I don't have any more money apart from this first month. So if this doesn't work, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I think that is what sets a lot of PTs apart, that the ones that get thrown in the deep end have to fight. And... I know for a fact working at Gymbox, I had a quite a few guys that, and girls that live there, work there, sorry, that still live with their parents and they still lived in London and, you know, they didn't have the overheads and they didn't have the rent and things like that. And they just, they just failed because they always had something to fall back on. Whereas I didn't, like it was either make it in London or go home and do something different. And, you know, I just was sick of waiting on, I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm. It was, for me, it was just a, something to do as like a stepping stone just to make a bit of money while I find out what I want to do and what, things like that. So, so if I if if we'd if I'd knocked into you and and, and bumped into you back then and 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 said, where's this heading? What do you want to achieve? What what does success look like at, at that stage? You know, day one on the gym floor at Bank. What would you have said? Um, back then, it would just be like, I want to make as much money as possible and you know make a go of this career. Like even back then when I was PT and I wasn't. I wasn't massively passionate about it. Like I enjoyed training and I kind of, and I enjoyed the PT side of things, but it's very different to what I am now. And I soon became massively passionate very quickly. And I think that's another thing back then, if if you're not passionate about what you do, and it's a cliche and everyone says, if you're not passionate about what you do, you're never gonna stick to it. But in personal training, I think it's, it's more apparent than a lot of things because you have to be up at 4.45, 5 o'clock. You know, your first client's at 6. Your last client's at 8 p.m. at night. If you're not willing to stay on that gym floor all day, every day, and you're not passionate about what you do, you will just, you'll fall to the sidelines and you just won't carry on doing it. So mm. within a few weeks of being there, I really loved what I was doing. It was good, but it was it was tough work. I remember calling my dad and was just like, this is super hard. Like, I'm walking the gym floor all day, every day. I've got a list here of 50 people that I've spoken to and not one person signed up. Like, 
am I doing it right or is there just no work in this in this business so so I, I you know I I'm always looking out into the world and, and, and trying to kind of recognize those those lovely moments of like someone selling or marketing or, or, or doing a good job and I always think that when I'm in the gym so what, what was your what was your ta- what was your sales tactic I, I think I got it wrong very quickly and I was told by this was Phil Learney I think I listened to a podcast about him a while ago I've not seen this stuff for a while but it was it was along the lines of you're going to make a lot of mistakes you're going to fuck up quite a lot but unless you learn from them early on you'll just continue making mistakes and I think what I was doing in the gym I was just walking up to people and saying do you want a free taster do you want a free trial do you want free this free that rather than going up to them and offering a bit of critique and a bit of something that could probably help them so I found that very very quickly that people didn't want to just be disturbed and said do you want a free session do you want a free session you know, they were much more open to saying, listen, do you want help with anything? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, mm. is there any way I can help you with this and that? Um, so I started doing that pretty quickly. And luckily when I started at Gymbox, there was only one other guy that started at the same time and he was a boxer. So I kind of had free reigns of the floor for about a month and it was graft and it took a lot of work. Um, but slowly, 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 you know, people started joining and, and, and signing up and then they would refer to friends. And then I didn't walk the floor again after that for like three or four months. Like I didn't walk the floor again after three or four months of doing it. Mm. And then till this day, I've never done it again. And I still offer people advice and I'm still in the gym training people, but now it's a bit more based on referrals. Um, But I think, you know, you have to be, as a PT, you have to be a good salesman as well. Like you have to be confident in what you're selling and what you're offering people because I've met a lot of good trainers that just can't do that and they just fail. Yeah. or they're still doing it now but they're not getting the hours they want and then on the opposite side I'm finding those people that are amazing at sales aren't such good trainers so was it and that was it did it feel like a natural shift from the acting into the selling yeah like I think I've always been good at speaking to people like I've not I've never found it difficult and some people you know just approaching people on the gym floor there's there's, there's ways to do it that it's not going to offend them and it's not going to annoy them like if you go to someone when they're sprinting on a treadmill last time before on a free session the likelihood is they're you know they can totally fuck off uh, and never speak to you again so but I've always just been naturally speaking to people communicating uh, and that, that that definitely comes from from you know career careers and in acting and things like that you know I've, I've done it since a kid I mean I've played lead roles in plays and things like that and I've just just loved it mm. so yeah I get nervous about approaching people and speaking in front of people and doing all that sort of stuff but within two three minutes I'm I find it pretty comfortable so so after those first three or four months then it seemed to be a shift I guess in terms of like client acquisition away from hitting the gym floor to just focusing on the quality of your product yeah exactly just deliver mm. just it's as simple as that like I'm a big I'm a big believer in just overvalue mm. you know give a client you know more than what they would expect and how, I, how, how did you do that because I mean if, if, if you were going to come you know if you if, if you just from 30,000 feet look at what a trainer does you know, I, you know, I don't mean this in a disparaging way. It's just, you know, you have your hour with them and, and then that's it. So was it, were you focusing more on the hour? Were there, was there peripheral stuff? How, yeah, how, so, how did you add value? So the value I added was was a lot outside the session. And I still do that today. Like I'm always creating, you know, new handouts. We've just written a, uh, a 30 email campaign, which gives everyone, it drip feeds people information rather than overloading them. Uh, it drips people information about, you know, way to stay on track with food, understanding going out, holidays, all that social elements, that kind of thing. People that, the thing that people struggle with the most. Mm. Um, And I think back then as well, I was always trying to learn a bit more and I was always going on courses and I was trying to write things and getting them edited and learning PowerPoint and all that kind of thing because I just think going above and beyond, you know, even if the client doesn't necessarily use it and take it on board, it's still more value than the person next to you is offering. Um, You know, and I think that's what, what separates you from not not a bog standard trainer I don't like to learn I don't like to use that term but you know someone who is just putting in the hour and then that's Mm. it you know because it is the hour's worth of work and at the end of the day you know you're if you're going above and beyond and doing a lot more for their client you know your price per hour and this is why you have to stop referring to it as price per hour because let's say you're making 50 pounds for for a client that you're doing and then you're spending an hour with them and then you're spending an hour doing emails and then you're spending an hour doing this you know it depreciates to 15 20 pounds a session so I think that kind of gave me the leverage as well to charge a little bit more and show people that, okay, you know, yeah, it is a bit more of a higher end service, but you're getting a lot more with it. You know, this is detailed PowerPoints and presentations that you're getting outside of the sessions. You know, I always make sure you bring a diary and we always 
do the caliper testing, all that kind of thing, because it just it's just that extra add-on that people are willing to pay a bit more for, and it benefits them in in massive ways. So, did you? Was there a moment where you started to to, to change from that kind of person who, that first arrived in London, where you were, where you were trying to earn as much as possible? Was there a moment where you started to realise you were building a brand rather than just charging by the hour? Yeah, I mean. I guess that that time as well, social media was just coming into play. I mean, Facebook was there, Instagram came a little bit later, but it was more just about now developing a personal brand and getting people outside of the gym to know who you are and show people your clients what they're doing, what your training is and things like that. And, you know, it's just, I, I guess trying to build a brand that didn't have that, that wasn't what I wanted to do to begin with. I wasn't like, oh, I want to be known as Ben West Fitness or this and that. It just kind of developed that trying to get my name out there a little bit more, trying to get out transformations a little bit more so people can see it and things like that. And then, you know, sooner or later, everyone was just referring to my, me as like Ben West Fit. You know, that's kind of what it was back then. It was no one ever calls you Ben anymore. It's Ben West Fit. You're Ben West Fit. Um, it's like you do now when you see when you see other people like, you know, it's like, oh, you're clean, clean eating Alice, you know, or you're, or these sort of people, you know, you, they refer to you as by your brand name, not just your normal name anymore. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's, the strength of branding isn't it when you when you hammer that message time and time again and then suddenly the message becomes bigger than the, the person yeah exactly do you, do you think I, I know you said you wanted to stay away from you know calling anyone a gobstop standard trader I, you know I, I think there's a shitload of them out there do you think that people are trying to give the impression of, of this complete brand and complete offering before putting in that graph before putting in the hours these days 100% like you, I think now people try and say they do so much and do too much and a prime example that I find is a lot of trainers now in order to make a bit more income uh, go to do online training and I did it but it wasn't until two years in that I was doing online training and I'm, I still believe now that you need mass amounts of experience training people one on one and training people on a gym floor before you can even start going to online training because how do you know what to do with a person if you haven't worked with them in person mm. you know it's very easy to just put nutrition plans up online and put training plans up online and things like that but if you haven't worked with a person you know in person you just don't have that experience to begin with in order to go and do that and I, I see it so often now and it's you know it's like it's a natural progression because to do online training you can reach a lot more people yeah it's a lot more low barrier to entry but you can still reach people all over the world and you know you don't have to be on the floor as often but I think people try and run before they can walk. So rather than yeah. trying to do too much to begin with and try and have too many operations going, just make sure that you know, you're know you doing it right with their one-to-one people first. It's tempting though, isn't it? I mean, well, I've never found, personally, I've never found it tempting. I, I think the one thing looking back with Fresh Fitness Food that I realized is we, we massively invested in, in the ops and the product partly because I'm shit with tech yeah before the, you know before we started talking you know it was years before we referred to ourselves as the leading yeah and now we feel quite confident in doing that um, but yeah it's, it's a useful analogy running running free walk so have, have you ever felt the need to have you ever do you, are you someone who compares yourself to other trainers and, and, and other fitness professionals big time right. you know we you know you know we've we've been friends for a while now and we had this discussion a few weeks back about mm. I've had to unfollow people and brands since opening 360 Athletic uh, because not because I'm an idiot like and I just I'm a horrible person and like I'm jealous I'm jealous to an extent but with some people but I I tend to look at what everyone else is doing and what everyone else has achieved and compare what I'm doing and what I've achieved to those people um, and it's only been in the last couple of months where I've I've managed to contain that and I look at them and I listen to a, uh, a podcast of a guy called Scooter Braun I think his, I think his second name is anyway he's the agent of, of Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande and things like that he's massive and he talks about you know stop comparing yourself to other people he said at the end of the day you want your friends and colleagues around you to be doing well because when we go on holiday I don't want to be paying for all the shit you know I'd rather have somebody else there who's richer than me that can pay their own way and stuff like that and I think that's, that's kind of how you need to be. Like everyone's doing their own thing and you know? everyone needs to be bought up and everyone needs to be surrounded by these people that are uplifting what they do because it can be a very lonely place running your own business. And being in a world where social media is massively dominant and there's so many people doing well and looking good and everyone's putting their you know, best life on Instagram, 
you can always look at yourself thinking, oh, I'm not doing enough or, you know, this person's way better than me. And, you know, all that's going to do is just bring you down all the time. Mm. So it, it, I've, I've done that for quite a while. Like I've always let things get to me on Instagram and social media, but now it's, it's a lot different. I think now I look at them, you know, congratulate them what they're doing, comment if things are going well. You know, I think everyone deserves that. And, you know, take from it what, what are they doing that's well? You know, what are they doing that's well that I love and everyone else is loving and what can I apply? How can I apply that to me? Yeah. How can I apply that to my brand? Because you can learn from all these people. Absolutely. They don't need to be direct competitors every time. It's like when we opened 360 Athletic in Victoria. You know, you had Barry's Bootcamp and One Rebel that was both five minutes walk away. You know, these are multi-million pound businesses that are, that are killing it. And I was just like, oh, we're not on the same level as those. You know, we don't have the amount of money that they do. We don't have this, we don't have that. But it doesn't matter. Like, our demographic is different. You know, we've created a community of people which is it's doing so well at the minute and it's because people want to train here and they want to be part of this small community and have something a bit more in-house and they don't want to be in a class of 50 people so you know that's what separates us from those and I think you just have to sort of believe in what you do and stop worrying about what everyone else is doing mm. is that what you'd recommend someone in you know would you so 100%. do you think it's so do you think it's a balance between unplugging and going cold turkey and and, and, and looking the other way and just saying that even if someone appears to be better that just take something from it and improve what you're doing yeah, what's the balance you're, you're going to strike yeah, like I think you know with social media again if there's you know if there's things that you're flicking through and flicking through and flicking through and it's just they're just either I don't know guys that are better looking than you you know girls that are better looking than you and things like that and it's affecting you negatively maybe just get rid of that but if it's something that is you can learn from and you can think okay this is a great idea that they're doing I'm going to take that on board you know, use that to your advantage, take it on board, you know, and all the rest of the stuff on there, if it's, if, if it's not benefiting you in any way and you'll find it's really adhering what you're, like, inhibiting what you're doing, maybe just get rid of it. Mm. You know, if it's, if it's more harm than good, you know, it's like you see now with... Bullshit details. Yeah, all this sort of rubbish, man. It's just not, it's just not worth following. You're not going to get much out of it, you know, and if there's brands that are doing very well and they're always putting stuff about their clients, their stories are, like, enthusiastic and you can see everyone's having a wicked time there and stuff like that don't think, oh, they've got more clients than I have. You know, that's unfair. What are they doing that's right? You know, how are they doing that? Are they creating a good community of people? If so, what can I learn from that? And how can I apply it to my place or my brand? You know, it doesn't need to be about a specific place. It could just be about someone you see on social media that's putting out content, 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 and it's banging. And you're like, oh, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to do that. You know, learn from them. Drop them a message. You know, do they have online courses? Can you learn stuff from them? You know, how can you emulate the same thing in, with your own Go touch? train there. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Um, we try. We there's there's no food company that we with fresh fitness food that we haven't tried. Yeah, regularly. Yeah, all the all the time. Try them out. It'd be crazy not to. Yeah, what are they doing? That's right. You know, and how can you apply it to yourself? Yeah, because I, I, I just did this now. Like, I'll shoot a few names out. Obviously, during this podcast, and Jamie Alderton, you know, he's been a friend of mine for a while, and he kills it in the industry. He does very well. Content is content is king. He always cool says dude, that. Isn't he? Yeah, he's a great guy, and he put out this online uh, videography course, and it was I think it was like. 20 short videos I mean some, none, none of them were longer than like 15 minutes and it was just different subcategories about how to do this how to do that and I kept looking at his content I was like that's fire like you know you've got timelines going across here and you've got subtitles and all this and it's just engaging anyway he released this course and it was like £95 and you know and it's the best £96 I've spent because now I edit them all for my gym and you know it's yeah it takes me time but I, I put up a post the other day and people were laughing like I'm not just a trainer anymore I now clean toilets and I now create videos and content you know and subtitles are basically the bane of my life they take hours but you know they're engaging people like them and you know it's something that we can add value to and put across con- uh, put across social media because I think you know you need to offer value 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 free value free content you yeah. know because then at the end of the day when someone does decide they want a trainer are they going to go to someone that call calls them someone they just see walking the floor they're going to go to someone that they've been getting value from for the last year and that's the way I see it it's I, like what I, you do with I love what that. you do you're always putting free content out it's just snippets little bits you know you're not giving your whole bible of you know how to build a business away you know you're just putting small content there that people like and then it might just be one thing that like you know this is wicked you know, a year down the line, they're like, okay, now I want some business coaching. Who yeah. am I going to call? The guy that I've never even spoken to or the guy that is just putting fire out all the time. Yeah, funnily, like yesterday, I think I think one of the posts I, I did on my story was joking, joking about it being International Value Day because I banged on about it the day before and yeah. that morning and then I did an IG Live with our head of sales on it last night. Yeah. So mark, mark it in your calendar, that's International um, Value Day. Um, so... 2013 gym box and I think the first time I 
became aware of you was definitely when you started to make that move online. Yeah. So what 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 year was that? Uh, that was probably about 2015. Yeah. Yeah, it must have been. Uh, because I was doing all right at Gymbox. You know, you always have your ups and downs with one-to-one training and things like that. And then I went into like a physique shows, fitness competing because I think back then, I think it was thought by a lot of people that in order to make it in the industry, you need to go into doing that. And I thought the exact same. I was like, well, I need to get into wicked shape. I need to do these shows. That's why people are going to recognize me and things like that. And I, I, you know, I fell in love with doing it. I really enjoyed it to an extent. And the times were really, really tough. And it was, it was a lot of graft. But like everything, you know, it was worth it in the end. You know, I, I did pretty well in that. Um, but I think it was around then that I started offering, offering online training because people were seeing the images online. They were seeing how I was doing. They would see my progress. And I didn't offer online training until people started asking. Mm. That people would be messaging me and saying, do you offer online diet plans? Do you offer this? Do you offer that? And I was like, no but I maybe should because people are asking and I now feel confident in order to write them. I wasn't just like ripping off my trainer's plan and just saying, right, here, here's the plan with my branding on it. You know, I, I learned a lot through the process of competing about how to structure nutrition, how to train properly, understanding recovery, supplementation. And then I just applied it to my own and started doing that for clients. I was going to a few courses and things like that. That's very cool though. I, I, I like that letting either your audience or your or your existing clients you know your future clients or your existing clients almost kind of dictate where you take your product and yeah, service for sure That's- I mean now like same again I saw a post the other day about you know asking polls on Instagram asking people questions and I think it's once again it's quite important because just because you want to see something I'm talking about myself now just because I want to see certain things on Instagram doesn't mean my demographic want to see those same things so it's just putting up loads of shredded shredded pictures of my abs and all that sort of stuff will only attract a certain kind of audience and it's not the kind of audience that are going to be coming to my gym and going to be training with me necessarily so now we put up you know questions you know what do you want to hear what do you want to see you know you tell me what value I can give you and then you know if you get a lot of answers at the same thing you can then create content around that because you know it's what people want to hear and, you know, I don't believe putting up content just for content's sake. You know, if there's nothing to say, don't say it. And you see that quite a lot on Instagram. And, you know, I've been, I've done that before. Like, I've put stuff up because I need to do a post. It's totally irrelevant. Like, it's not, it's, no one wants to see it. It's got nothing to do with what I'm on about and things like that. But I'm like, I need to do a post. So, so just kind of piecing the timeline together, you, you must have spent about a year, year and a quarter at City Athletic? Yeah. Yeah. About that. So... Yeah, I started the January 2017 and I left June 2018. July 2018, sorry. So yeah, it's like a year and six months, something along those lines. Cool. I think it was about that, yeah. Which brings us on to... 360 Athletic, man. Yeah. We're here, yeah. Very, very, very excited. So let, let, let's, let's, let's not, not dive in excitedly. Um, where did the idea come from and when? Where and when? Um, when, I don't remember the exact date, but I do remember we were living in myself and Jordan. She's the co-founder of 36 Athletics. She's also my partner. And we have our own flat in Greenwich. And I remember sitting one day outside Greenwich. It was a super hot day. We were sitting on the balcony. We had a glass of wine and she was talking about her clinic. So she owns a clinic called Function 360 in Moorgate. Doing really, really well. And she was like, you know, I'm sick, I'm sick of sending people from Function 360 to other gyms and things like that. You know, I'm, I, I'd prefer to keep things in-house, but we don't have the space in order to do it. You know, we do a bit of rehabbing clinic rooms, and it's great for what it is, but clients are now needing more progress. They need to use more machines and more dumbbells and weights and all that kind of thing, and more movement. So we need more space. And, you know, I don't know who it was, like myself or her, I, I can't really remember. But we're like, you know what, we should open somewhere where we can offer both because... One of the reasons we came up with the idea of 360 Athletic, and I'll go into the concept in a minute, was because there was a huge disparity between a physio and a trainer in in one building. I don't really know anywhere that do both. And the places that I know that do both, they don't do it very well because there's just no connection between the two. They're both run by separate businesses and separate people. So the referrals is kind of a bit weak. You know, no one's referring there because they're thinking, oh, if I send them up to stairs to physio, you know, and they tell them they've got to have two weeks off training, I'm out of pocket. No one's sending them downstairs because once they, they're fixed and they're physio and they're training, they don't want to come back. And it's, 
it's kind of this, that, like I was saying before, like, you know, work with each other, you know, learn from, your client's going to get the best experience and the, the best result. Having a physio and trainer work hand in hand, they really mm. are. But there was no way that was doing it. So we created 360 Athletic out of necessity. You know, our clients that were doing physiotherapy, doing rehab, doing massage, that needed to progress to training were having to be sent elsewhere. And the same goes for the clients that were training that I was getting on board that, that either came to me injured or they needed regular massage or regular treatment because they were doing, I don't know, marathons or Ironmans, which I deal quite a lot of people with that. I was having to send them elsewhere. And so we decided to open 360 Athletic, which would encompass both. So we now have something called the coaching in the clinic. So it's over two floors. It's based in Victoria. The first floor is uh, the clinic. So we do rehab, massage, uh, physiotherapy, dry needling, osteopathy, that kind of thing. And then downstairs you have our gym space, which we take everyone through strength training, conditioning, uh, sport specific, that kind of thing. But it is all in-house. It's all based in one building. So in all honesty, your client never has to leave to go anywhere else for anything else. Um, And they love the fact that everything is in house and their trainer is working with their physio their trainer is working with their masseuse you know their trainer is working with their osteopath that they're getting the full benefit of two professionals here that are talking to each other you know they don't need to go and you know download a document and send it to someone else and it's just you know everything's done in house now so yeah we decided to open 360 Athletic and that was I mean we must have had the conversation a year and a half ago maybe longer maybe two years ago and it's taken that long to sort of grow the idea, build it, know what we want. Um, and yeah, we opened in August and we're now coming towards the end of the year. So we're now nearly coming up to sort of five, six months. It's doing well, man. Mm. Yeah, it's doing really well. Yeah, I've been in a couple of times, a couple of you know, very different times as yeah. well. When it was a building site? Yeah, when it was a building site. And when it was like pumping? It was beyond the building site. I mean, yeah. we that was, that was probably one of the the hardest part really because it was it was a shell I mean the guys that we bought in to look at it were like this has been pulled back beyond what we would normally see a place because what they thought would happen what they thought would happen sorry was someone had maybe took a lease on the property they'd start to rip it all out rip it back and then they just didn't go ahead with it so they left it with what it was I mean it got to the point where even the the wires that go under the cement on the floor that link everything up there was all been pulled out it was just beyond the building site so that the reason for that it took maybe six weeks longer than what it should have done to open and get ready and things like that and we, we got a few more issues that we needed to deal with always you know, does always issues mm. so but yeah it took about three three and a half months to build but the concept itself has been alive maybe two years and like I said it's built on necessity and you know our our core, core offering in the gym space is small group coaching so it's what I call personal training uh, at an affordable price for up to four people so there's one coach that trains a maximum of four people at one time and it bridges that gap between one-to-one training which is not accessible to everyone because it's quite high end it's a bit more expensive um, and then you've got your classes which are you know groups of anywhere from sort of 20 to 50 people a lot lower, more lower barrier to entry a lot more people can afford it but they don't get that tailored approach uh, it's kind of you know it's just a bit of a free-for-all sometimes that I find so we wanted to create a space and a concept where people could come they were training a group of three or four people it's a lot more affordable and it bridges that gap in price and they still get the tailored approach that you get through through semi through uh, personal training sorry but you have that community feel that you get in a class so so what was the process then that's so that i mean that that really rolled off your tongue there so it's obviously now you know yeah i've said it, it enough times i think yeah. it's it, to begin with when i when i created the idea i was like and people were like, so explain to me what, what the concept is. And I was like, oh, it's, it's a little bit this and it's, it's a little bit that. Now, it's, <laughs> Jordan always says to me when, when someone comes through the door and they're asking for small group coaching, she's like, she knows what it is, obviously. She, she could speak about physio and massage and all, all day. And I could just say it's massage is nice. I have one once a week and I feel a lot better for it. But she's like, go speak to Ben because, you know, <laughs> you know, he could sell shit in a can. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of thing. Like it rolls off the tongue now because... Not that I've just said it so many times, but I believe in it so much. Yeah. I honestly, I, I'm a, I, I truly believe that that is where personal training is heading. Mm. I really do. Because now more than ever, people love a community feel. People love being as part of a group. And you'll see that so often with classes and CrossFit and things like that, that you know, once they become part of this team in this place, it's kind of like a cult following. They don't want to leave. They love everyone that's there and they love the training and everything about it, but they love being part of this family of people. And 
I'm, I'm starting to feel that 360 Athletic is, is soon becoming that. Like, people love it. People train with different people every day, but, you know, everyone's still an individual. You know, everyone still enjoys training with each other. There's no one that they don't like training with. Um, so, you know, that, that to me is kind of why we created that because we wanted a community of people that just love being there and love meeting new people and training as a group. So, did you, what, what was the market research process like? Did you kind of look out, you know, just into London, into UK, into America? Do you, what, you know, what was Yeah, the I mean, you know, I guess the, the, one of the first times I came across small group coaching, um, properly done was by a guy called Ollie Marchon. And he trains in Harpenden, I believe it's Harpenden, it's or St. Albans, it's somewhere up that way. Um, a place called Martin Athletic. And I was looking at what he was doing, and I was like, this is amazing. Like he's got three trainers training in there and they've all got four people each. And it's not a class, it's it's something different. So I reached out to him and I, you know, he was telling me the concept of it and stuff like that. And then I started to do a bit of research about it, and it's one of the first guys that I noticed did it was a guy called Thomas Plummer. He's from the States, and now he does a lot of talks at W10, which is owned by Jean-Claude Vassine who is now actually my business coach um, because W10 do it very well you know, very 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 well I mean they're capped out of their members you know their retention rate is massive their referral rate is massive um, you know and that's kind of you know I found out about these three guys and then I started building on the concept and then not only for a client perspective and you know not only was it great for a client but it's great as a business model. Like you can scale massively. You know, if you've got a gym floor and you've got three or four trainers working in there, and let's just say, for example, they're making a hundred pound an hour, or that someone's paying a hundred pound an hour, whatever. You know, you can make four hundred pound that session. You know, if you're charging a fraction of that and you're charging forty pound a person for small group coaching, and you can get four people in a class in each one, and you can run the same amount, you know, that's two hundred and forty pound extra an hour that you can make on top of that, and you can run that all day. So as a business model, I just thought it was great. We could reach more people. They get the same service and delivery as they get from from one-to-one. And, you know, once again, they love it and they enjoy it. And just as a business model, I thought it was very well. And is, it would, is, would work very well. Is four the magic number in this space? Yeah, it's magic. It's definitely a magic number. It yeah. definitely is. You know, you, you know, people have played with four, they've played with six, they've played with two. You know, you can, you can work with six. You really can. you just got to be on the ball. And I always say now, and I've got a... So, for example, Saturday, I have a, a small group coaching with four people, and we've got loads of friends coming over on Friday night. They're all going out, and they're going for drinks and dinner, and I was like, I can't come, because when you're training four people and you've got two new people in there and two experienced people, you have to be on the ball, and you have to know what you're doing. And that's where experience comes in and systems come in place, and you need to know how to program accordingly. Like, So, what was... the? the it sounded like quite a long, long process between kind of like ideation and opening the doors with with 360 yeah what, what was the hardest part of that process uh the hardest part was managing everyone like not staff but different avenues of people you know you've got your agent you've got your builders you've got these other on-site people and at the, the, when we were launching 360 athletic or, or building 360, 360 athletic sorry we were basically myself and jordan were there every day going back and forth and we were still doing Jordan was still running Function 360. She was still running a team of eight people. She was still seeing people on a physio basis. I was still doing about 30 clients a week on top of that. And I would have to go back and forth all the time and deal with emails. And you know, you'd get phone calls saying, we need this down, we're outside, no one's into letters in and stuff. And you'd be with a client at 7 a.m. And it was, it was chaos. Um, so I found that very difficult to try and be in two places at once. And, you know, my hat goes off to anyone that has more than one business that can open another business and work on another business while they're still running another business. You know, you, you, know, you have a team in place of people and it's for a reason that, you know, people can do jobs that, you know, you don't want to do or, you know, that you're qualifying them to do so you can pick up and slack in other areas. But it's still super difficult to try and open a business while you're trying to run another business. And I found that at some point I, I felt that my one-to-one was probably slacking a little bit. Uh, and I hate to say it, but I, I, fig- I found it out very quickly on. And I, I just nipped that in the bud straight away. And mm. I was just like, right, I'm gonna deliver now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to what I'm doing. You know, If I don't need to be on site, I'm not gonna be there. You know, My clients are coming here for an hour to spend with me. They're paying good money. You know, it's not fair for me not to deliver. And it's not fair for me just to get excited about this new place and, you know, keep talking about that all the time and going over there. You know, they come to me for the hour to get, you know, to get worked. And, like and yeah, they wanted, they, they, you know, they're happy to see you progressing and they, 
they're super passionate about what you do and they're supporting you and stuff like that but I just had to sort of differentiate myself and make sure I was still putting work into the one-to-one -one work because it was my bread and butter it's still what I was doing and I was mm. taking all these clients over there so yeah I just found it really difficult to manage people and manage my own time between between the two places yeah interesting so when you opened the doors that was the first time you started calling yourself a boss right yeah and I and to this day and Jordan always says to me you're like you need to be a bit firmer with people you know you need to stop sort of like we're not all friends here we're, we're all friends she doesn't say it in a nasty way but she's been a boss for quite a while now and she knows what it's like to sort of you know still be really really friendly with people and not act like a boss that some people can take advantage or they don't feel as though you know there's not, not a hierarchy system but I would class myself as a boss now but I think I'm slowly learning that you know I, I do need to make decisions I do need to understand the books I do need to set rules if someone's not doing the job right I need to tell them whereas before I'd be like don't like you know I'll just sort it out rather than offending them or having a go at them and stuff like if someone leaves something out rather than say anything I just put it away myself mm. you know and Jordan's like that's not going to make your life any better you need to learn how to delegate you need to learn how to you know not be an asshole with people but be a boss you know and if someone's not doing it right let them know about it you know otherwise people are just gonna did you take quite a lead from her then in massive. terms of leadership right. massive mm. um, yeah massive I mean she, she's you know one of, one of the questions you always get get asked is you know who is your biggest inspiration and things like that and I don't have a particular person there's a lot of people I take inspiration from but as far as as far as girls that I know and you know and entrepreneurs and business people that I know she's like one of the strongest people I know like when we did three success Athletic, I had no idea about the books you know I had no idea about accounting I, I just didn't mate. like I never needed to know it and no. I did a video on the way here actually saying if I was going back to being self-employed and just doing 30 hours a week and doing my own book, it would be a breeze. That, I, and I find it very difficult back then. Now, having learned all this kind of stuff and learned from her and how to run a business, going back to just doing my own thing, I think I, think I would find it so easy. So do you think, do you think three, would 360 have happened if it was just you or just her? Was it really a coming together? It would have happened with just me. Wouldn't, I don't think it would have happened with just me. And it, when I say it wouldn't have happened, I don't think it would have happened yet. And same again, this, was it somebody today or yesterday? I think it was somebody today and they were talking about running your own business by yourself. Like it can be very lonely, it can be hard. And he had a business partner that he was, he was a guy today, a client today. And he had a business partner that, that business partner, partner, sorry, that dropped out sort of three quarters of the way from opening this business and stuff. And he had to pick up the slack and do it all himself. And he was like, it's, you know, it's so difficult because you've got no one to sort of, relay ideas back to you you've got no one really to be accountable to but yourself and you've got no no one you know pushing you and bouncing ideas off like doing your own business is super hard and I think if I would have done this myself I would have made massive errors big time and she would say now that compared to where I am for when we first opened this business to where I am now she would be like you're a changed person and she even sent me messages the other day saying like I'm super proud of you like you're doing so well like you're crushing it because I've learned along the way and I've, I've, I've basically, That's cool. yeah, That's really and it's, cool. it's great because at the very beginning I was probably more of, I was probably hindering more, more than I was helping <laughs> with certain elements because I just didn't have a clue about it. I didn't. And you know, I learned a lot from her, but I've obviously learned a lot in the process and about how to do things and stuff now. But yeah, to, you know, to answer your question, it's, it probably would have still been opened if it was just me, Yeah. but it probably wouldn't be the same business as what it is now. And it would have took a lot longer. I mean, that, that's, it's really interesting what you're, you're describing because I, I actually think I, one of the most common things that people say to me is, you know, I don't know how you've done that. I don't know how you built that. Yeah. And I'm like, well, neither did I before I did it. Yeah. And that's the, that's the way with every single business. 100%. I totally agree. I mean, you know, you, you built this business from scratch and, you know, I remember, me, make, remember you making meals out, you know, out of your kitchen and all that kind of stuff. You've got those stories about like, you know, hand delivering them yourself and all that sort of stuff. But you know, I, you know, like everything, you know, it's what's the worst that could happen? You know, what's the worst that could happen? You know, and if you, if you're willing to take advice from people and, and learn along the way and not just let mistakes sort of get you down and stay positive all the time, like that's another thing I dealt with at the very beginning. Like I was very negative. I was a very negative person when I opened this business because I was like, this isn't going right. It should be easier than this. You know, there's no, we've got seven small group coaching or classes today and there's only one person in a class and the other six are empty. And I was just negative about the whole approach. And it was, she basically like kept me on track. 
what's the worst that could happen? So, so what's what's the worst thing that has happened so far? I mean, it's been a relatively short journey, but what's what's been one of the lowest points? Whether it's a personal mistake or whether it's just one of those moments where you think, "Fuck this." Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because the way. Okay, when we first opened the business, we set projections. And we're like, okay, this is how many we're going to have in the first month. This is how many we're going to have in the second month. And then you soon realize that's bollocks. Like, it's you can set all the projections you want. And, you know, a brand new business, no one knows what you are. You don't have, you know, all this money to blow on marketing, to to pay newspapers and videographers to come and influencers to come and this kind of stuff. Like, we just didn't have it. So... You know, you can't. We couldn't just throw money at it and hope for it to work. We kind of just put all our eggs in one basket, put the work in, delivered as much as we can, and we just set amount of numbers that we wanted to fill. And in the first maybe month and a half to two months, the numbers just weren't coming in. And I was like, "Shit! Like, how are these businesses? Some of these businesses, two, three years down the line, how are they doing it? Like, you know, we're we're close to not." <laughs> not carrying on much longer if the, if it goes the way it's going but then we just flip on its side and just you know what you can, we can moan about it or we can do something about it so you know we, we work with other people you know we spoke to clients we reached out to local businesses we started flying we started doing that and sooner or later you know traction happened you know we spent the first I think there was this one month that we only maybe had like one person or two people sign up in a month and I was like shit this is terrible and you know, this week we've had like three or four people. I got a message earlier that one of the guys that was doing the intro package has now converted into a full-time member for an annual membership. And it's working, it's coming. You just have to be patient with it. And I think I just lost patience very quickly and I just wanted it to happen too quick. And once again, it goes back to the earlier part of the podcast that I was just seeing what everyone else was doing and just letting it affect me massively. Like my mood was just down because I was seeing people with full classes and people doing, you know, we've got this many members and everything's going well. And, you know, here's a party and there's 50 members in the photo. I'm just like... I want that now. Like I, I'm, I'm eager to have it. I'm eager to have it. And I was just putting myself down. Like we're never going to happen. We're never going to get it. But you know, I just had to flip it on his head and just be patient. And you know, that's where Jordan came in very well. We have some really cool people that work for us, and everyone's just super positive about what they do. Everyone's coming up with different innovative ideas. Um, you know, so you just have to trust the process really. And if shit goes wrong, just just do, just try your best to deal with it you know reach out to people that you think can help and that's what I did like you know I reached out to you and got some advice from you and things like that and I started working with JC and he's been there before he's done it he's gone through the shit he's failed and now he's got one of the most probably the most successful small coach small coaching facilities in the whole of Europe like it's turning over more money than other small group coaching facilities um, so you know I just have to reach out to people and, mm. and learn from those sort of people and, and what about the reverse like what what's you know what, what? What one or two moments stick out as, as as kind of big wins? I big wins. Seeing that the people that we are attracting now are the right demographic that I wanted in the first place. I lost sight at the very beginning, and I just wanted it to be busy. I was getting influencers in, I was getting this people in, and all this sort of stuff because it was the thing to do, and it's good on social media. But I soon realised that that's not our demographic it's not like we aren't a trainer's gym we're not an influencer style gym we are a gym for the everyday person in order to encourage them to be their every you know be the athlete within so to give everyday individuals the opportunity to find their best mm. and that's working with mums that's working with locals in Pimlico Victoria you know all that kind of area that you know that are maybe in their 30s 40s even 50s that we've got now that that's our demographic and that's our people. And the last several weeks, I've seen an influx of those style of that demographic come in. So for me, it's clear now that we're, you know, it's it's coming across right and we're getting it right and people are referring the right people and the right people are coming to the classes. So yeah, I kind of lost my way very early on that I was just trying to approach the wrong people and trying to get the wrong people in. And we have a high, we have a slightly higher barrier to entry than you know say your F45 or your Barry's Bootcamp or One Rebel and that kind of thing so trying to market to those people just because they're a little bit younger and they're more predominant on Instagram it just, just wasn't the right thing to do you know and I learned that very very quickly that we need to we need to target the right people and local targeting local marketing is is where we're going to win at this game and you know we did a Black Friday offer actually just for local people um, on Friday obviously 
I think we got like 38 sign-ups of local people and just brings them through the door. And already through that, we've already had people do the intro offer, which is, you know, if we do our job right, that's a conversion. Yeah. And they're local people, you know, and we've got an offer coming in Christmas, which uh, isn't even going to be put out on Instagram. It's only going to be put out locally because we want the right people. You know, the people of Victoria and, you know, uh, Westminster and that kind of area, they, they, you know, they deserve a place to train that offers small group coaching, something they really, really want, so... Yeah, it's interesting. So it's really tapping into who your clients truly are rather than just throwing someone doing, you know, a close-up of their butt doing squats. Because exactly. And we just wasn't, followers. you know, even on social media, it just wasn't getting the traction that we wanted. And I just soon realized that it's the wrong people. It's, yeah. It might look good and stuff like that. And, you know, they may get a few shout-outs or whatever, but it doesn't convert to money at the end of the day. Like, simply having other gyms are different you know I'm not going to mention any of them but a lot of them bring influencers in for free and all that kind of stuff because it works for their brand you know it looks good there's a, there's a, there's a gym I'm going to go visit in the States and you know all their their Instagram is just full of models and you know on all these youngsters and stuff that have got 30, 45,000 followers even more millions and stuff like that but it works for the demographic it's low barrier to entry you know people that are 20, 25, 26, 27 years old are going to go there because it's 15 pounds 20 pounds to go are they going to go and pay, you know, £269 membership? Probably not. Yeah. So, you know, why we're trying to market to them is just the wrong thing to do. So that was the biggest mistake. But on top of it, it was the biggest achievement and something that light bulb that, okay, it's not working. That's cool. Who are the right people to target? That's and cool. Now it's working. Yeah, I think we've seen much the same thing at Fresh Fitness Food. We've, we've really tried to avoid, you know, you've got to do your DD when you're allowing someone else to kind of represent you you know in, in that influencer space and I think we've I think we've done a good job I think you have like I think the fact you know you mentioned City Athletic we've yeah. been working with Sean now two thousand god for a long time a long long time yeah and I don't think we've ever had to kind of like crack the whip with him we've never cringed when he's posted yeah just because like he's yeah. his brand, his brand aligned right exactly it's organic it fits your brand it's the right people you know have got the right demographic of clients and things like that you know the right people walking through City Athletic mm. you know it's those those people that are going to ben- benefit from your service you know yeah. so it's it works so this is kind of my favourite part sure so the name of the show Startup Blueprint you have an opportunity to produce the perfect blueprint to run your business and you can, uh, you can go back to your younger self and hand it over. So I'm going to ask you a few quick-fire questions about what's in that blueprint. Okay. So, most important characteristic that a founder needs? Oh, God, let me think. Um, these are quick-fire questions as well. I'm about as quick-fired out. <laughs> I think confidence. You know, I think you've got to be confident in what you do. You know, don't uh, let things dishearten you. You know, don't... But, but you know, confident, believe in yourself. You know, at the end of the day, you're you're doing this for a reason. And what's this, what, like I said again, you know, what's the worst could happen? Just just be confident in what you do, and I think that's about right. Most important daily habit. Most important daily habit. I am a massive believer in making your bed. I think if you can do the simplest tasks in life, you'll be able to do the hardest tasks. Start with a simple task, and then you know, continue after that. Biggest mistake to avoid. Understand the books. You know, go in there knowing what your overheads are, knowing how many clients you need to get in. Don't just guess. Not that we made that mistake, but maybe maybe a little bit. Don't you know? Don't just guess and don't don't freeball it. Know what you need to make. Know how many clients you need to get in. One piece of advice when it comes to sales. Don't be too pushy and find out what the people want. You know, everyone's different. You know, the first question we say to people when they come in through the door, I don't say, listen, we do small group coaching and physio clinic and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, how can we help? What are you here for today? I'm interested in training. Great, we have a small group coaching facility downstairs. Oh, I'm interested in getting a massage. Great, we have a physiotherapy massage clinic up here. Don't try and sell them something they don't want. Find out what they want and then offer that. One piece of advice when it comes to marketing. Once again, find out, you know, who your demographic is and what they want and then market based around that. Don't just market for marketing's sake. One piece of advice when it comes to hiring the right people. Don't just pick somebody just like you. Don't pick the same as you because you, 
then you know you don't want the same as you like you want someone who you can bounce ideas off someone who's very different you know you bring different dynamics to the team if you just just got five of you walking around that's gonna become pretty boring one piece of advice when it comes to building the right company culture uh, employ the right staff and you know make sure every single person that walks through your door walks through your door feels part of the team you know they feel like they're part of something they're not just a number and finally as you hand over that blueprint one piece of advice you give your younger self just have a go what's the worst that could happen what a cracking episode now let me tell you this Anyone who answers that final question with the words, just have a go, what's the worst that could happen, is instantaneously in my good books. The words also sum up Ben in many respects. No BS, down to earth, open and honest. He's also incredibly open and honest when it comes to talking about the mistakes he has made. But what I really love about this episode is the fact that you can see how hard Ben has worked to correct those mistakes. And this is precisely where we can learn the most from Ben. So what are the key takeaways? Firstly, as an entrepreneur, you need to be client-centric. You need to shape your brand, your product, and your sales process around your target demographic. This will obviously require careful market research, but it also requires confidence. The confidence often to go in one direction, even when the rest of the market is going the other way. Next, the success of 360 Athletic demonstrates how valuable it can be to have a co-founder, someone to help with your motivation and mindset, someone to bring a complementary set of skills to the table and someone simply to bounce ideas off. Ben is also self-aware enough and in my opinion smart enough to see the value in seeking the help of others outside of his business. This episode is also a reminder of the importance of both patience and positivity. Progress is rarely linear or consistent. There will always be setbacks and success is never easy or straightforward. Entrepreneurs absolutely need to remember this. They need to allow time for their hard work to come to fruition and they need to remain positive. And this leads neatly onto the key takeaway for me. As an entrepreneur, you need to focus on your own business. Of course, you need to understand the market and of course you need to understand your competitors, but you need to have the confidence to do your own thing. Or as Ben says, stop worrying about what everyone else is doing. My name is Jared Williams, and this has been The Startup Blueprint, the podcast designed for entrepreneurs, startups, and anyone who's ever wanted to turn a good idea into a great business.